Hey, everybody, this is a preview of today's members episode. If you want to hear the whole thing, head on over to the confessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button, and become a member today. Merkel Media. And I look and I see this shadow in front of the truck lights. And I was like, what is that? And they're like, what? And so I pointed out to everyone while Corey's still struggling underneath me. And so I have like one hand on the base of his neck, just kind of pushing his face into the dirt as I'm trying to show everyone else the shadow that's in front of the truck. And I'm like, do y'all not see that? Or am I just going crazy at this point? And everyone looks and we see the shadow. It It's blurry and it's very thin, I guess. Like it's width and its shoulders were kind of narrow and it was thin, but I couldn't see its feet. Like it kind of started at like halfway through the shin and upward. And then we see it run at us. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well, the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow his head off. Feel something pulling at my leg, and I look over, and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush, and I touch air. Couldn't breathe, and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy, wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. That's theconfessionals at theconfessionalspodcast.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section. You can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. Welcome to another members episode. We got a heater. I need to get a sound effect on my board here that goes whenever I do it. Do I have one of those? I do have one of those. Here we go. We got ourselves a heater today because Asher's coming on the show to share an incredible story. He was in the military and him and his friends went out in the woods to have a bonfire one night. And what happened to them out there changed their lives forever because 
They started sharing spooky stories and talking about skinwalkers, and it seems like they conjured something happening. In fact, they conjured an entire event. I'm talking about skinwalkers appearing, beasts circling the camp that they couldn't see at first, but they were coming around, at least two of them. His friend, during this whole event, when everything's going crazy, becomes possessed, falls over on the floor, and his other friend goes, oh no, not again. And while they're dealing with his friend, the demon starts speaking, and the demon says, my beasts under my control are here and they'll eat you. They freak out. They're running. Shadows are chasing them. They get in the truck. A pack of dogs starts chasing the truck out of nowhere. And then what seems to be the goddess Hecate shows herself during this event because the one friend in the truck was a pagan and probably worshiped Hecate. And then they take his friend who's possessed to a witch and she exercises the demon. This is a wild story. Nick from Tales from the Grid Square sent this guy over to me. He said, this guy has a phenomenal story and you got to hear him out. So here we are talking to Asher about his wild night in the woods with his friends from the military. Let's get to this episode right now. Today, we got Asher on the show. Asher, what's going on, man? Hey, how's it going, Tony? How are you doing today? Man, I'm doing good. So uh, you reached out to us about your wild night. And uh, th- this is one of those those rare times that... So, all right. You, you, you gave us like the beginning of it. And you're like, if you want to hear the rest, uh, just let me know. And we can set up a time to do a recording. And normally, the answer <laughs> back is... How about you tell me your story before I, I, I tell you we're going to do, do the show. But uh, you were brought to me by uh, Tales from the Grid Square. And uh, Nick is a good friend of yes. mine. And he, he so any, anybody who he throws at me, I'm like, it's a good story. Let's go. So I was like, fair enough, dude. <laughs> You're on the show. So <laughs> all I know yeah. is that you guys had, you and some of your friends had a wild night. Some things appeared and they it seems like you were getting harassed and it gets crazy that's all i freaking know so uh with that limited information asher take us away and uh share us what happened to you sure uh first i'll say nick from tales was actually the one that told me to reach out to you guys about the story because some of my stories from my past have featured on his page before and when that when that night happened that i'm about to talk about i told him a bit about it and he told me to reach out to y'all and he he was like, this is probably a story that a lot of people will like. So I was like, you know what? Might as well. I don't talk about it a lot, but it should be one for the ages. So uh, starting now, this happened pretty much, I would say around three weeks after I got back from Germany and I was back on Fort Hood uh, on Rear D for my unit. And we, the same buddies that i was with that night before a few of us uh shipped out to germany we did a bonfire at the same location prior but there was more of us there and that night went on well no no problem so when we thought about this location again for that night when i got back we were like sure go ahead little did we know that that was probably going to be one of the worst decisions we ever made that night (laughs) but um so the day of the day of that night, I 
So a couple of them, I'll use their real names. And then a few ask not to, not for me not to use their real names. So I'll use synonyms. So first I'll start with my buddy, Cody, who was a 15 uniform in the unit along with our buddy Forrest. Now his name, we actually call him Forrest like every day, every day along because we also have another friend in the group because they had the same last names, except one has an S on the end, making it plural. So we call the one friend tree and the other friend Forrest. And so tree wasn't with us, but Forrest was. And Forrest is a very sporadic, very much so gun ho on the ancient pagan Norse mythology ordeal, which <laughs> later on in the story actually brings out a funny sense to it. So that night, we get everyone together. It's Cody, myself, Forrest, and then our friend, Truly, who was there as well. And we also had our civilian friend, Corey, who's, like me, has had similar uh, experiences with the paranormal, except his, I would say, were a lot more damaging psychologically. And I'll elaborate on that in a moment. But anyway, we all get there after getting all of our food and wood and supplies that we needed for that night. We head out there. At this point, it's around 6.37 in the afternoon. And the third and fourth photo that I sent you in the email as reference photos so you could look at, um, that's kind of how it always was. And when we got there, the sun had like just set. And the cool part about those photos as well is that they're unedited. Those were taken with my phone. And it's just the the gradients or whatever it is, um, the setting that amplifies more light at night is what I used on there. But so this place naturally is pretty creepy. Um, hundreds of years ago, it that entire area used to be underwater. And there's a river that sits right next to it. That's about, I would say, 50 meters from where our burn site was at. So it's not very far away. But so a lot of the ground is all trodden and mush and whatnot. Anyway, we get there. We're walking back and forth from my truck, which had most of our supplies in it. And I had Forrest and Truly with me at that time because Cody was going to grab our civilian friend, Corey, from his place and bring him out there. So they didn't get back until an hour later. So they get there about an hour later. We're already set up. We started cooking some of the meats and the foods that we prepped. We're drinking a little bit. We're having a good time. And Corey and Truly go out kind of off to the side of the woods to go piss. Well, Corey pregame beforehand, so he was already kind of wasted. And naturally, when we're out there kind of stuff, we didn't have our weapons because we came straight from post to there. And we start, we at the time, we stored our weapons off post. So we didn't want to spend an extra hour and a half grabbing our shotguns, even though we probably should have in hindsight. But we had axes with us. So at least we had something. But so Corey goes and starts chopping down a couple of the trees next to us. And this area is used by a lot of people, not just in the military, but civilian side as well. And so naturally, there's going to be some disturbance of the natural art. Um, agriculture out there and kind of forestry because there's a lot more of um, fallen lumber out there than usual and that night was kind of cold but it was never too bad like it was around 38 39 degrees but it wasn't really that windy 
So we you could handle it just fine. Plus being next to the fire that was pretty tall at this point was nice. So we were fine. He cuts down a couple of trees. I go, I grab the axe from him because at this point he's just kind of swinging it around. And I'm like, okay, this, I don't like this. And growing up, I'd say I've been marked pretty much since birth because I'm one of the few people that I know of personally that has been experiencing paranormal events my entire life. Like, for example, when I was eight, a bat bafflement or at least I would say a servant uh, bearing the same apparent appearance as Baphomet came into my room and it was completely pitch black and then everything goes red and I couldn't talk I couldn't move anything total paralysis it was insane and then more experiences out in the desert and Joshua Tree where I grew up at in California all right pause pause hang on a second all right, so a couple of things. Uh, one, the the Baphomet experience. <clears throat> so I what <clears throat> I w- I was going to bring this. Uh, I was I was going to talk to you about this after you're done telling your story, but I had to, I had to just interject because of what you just said. Uh, one, I, I want to hear that Baphomet story. Whether like if if if, if, there, if there's more details than what you just shared, uh, but you're from Joshua Tree. Yeah, so I was born and raised until I was about five in San Diego, and then I moved out to West Hollywood for about a year, and then I moved out to Joshua Tree, Wine Valley area out near Riverside, and growing up, my dad and I, we're very much so outdoors people. Like We go and spend weeks out in Joshua Tree, climbing out there, backpacking, camping, doing whatever, and (laughs) we also had a paranormal experience, actually, when we took... Um, a bunch of kids and a couple guys from our church at the time in the youth group out uh, to the cave systems down underneath. And yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw a dog man out there. I couldn't really see what that apparition was, but it bore a lot of the same um, likeliness of him. But yeah, the Baphomet story wasn't too much except what he said to me. So I was laying in bed and my room at this point is completely pitch black. Like, that's just how I liked it. I didn't like having my door open, like how a lot of kids and their parents are when they're young and they're growing up, they won't be able to hear them. Right. Well, I was totally like, no, go away. This is my room. I want to be by myself and all that. And the way that my room was positioned was my bed was pressed against uh, the the furthermost wall of my room. So I'm basically so far away from my door that you possibly could be well that night it was kind of hard for me to go to sleep and i could kind of feel something going on inside the room like the atmosphere started to change and my mentality started to get a little swirly and that was pretty unusual for me and so i was like okay what's going on and because my parents were and still are pretty religious in the christian faith they're like my mom told me Two nights beforehand, she's like, if you ever get nervous or uneasy at night or you just wake up in the middle of the night and you don't know why, just be like, Lord, what is it you want me to do? And so I did that when I first woke up, completely black at this point. And then I hear this voice say, look up. And at that point, I'm very 50-50 because I start to get a chill going over my body. I'm like, do I really want to? 
but I'm like, I got to at least go through with it. And as I go to look up, all of a sudden this huge weight is just pressed on me and it's, I'm just thrown back, back onto my bed. And the entire room goes red, or at least my vision went red. It was really weird. And then standing be- before me, coming through the door and then just stopping in the middle of the room in front of my closet, which doors are shut, so it's not like any boogeyman type thing. But it's just these two red eyes with the head of like Baphomet. And he was in a suit, which was really weird when I saw that. So I thought I was dreaming. And so I tried to just close my eyes, but I couldn't. And I tried to talk, but my voice would not escape. I couldn't get any air to come out. And so at this point, I'm freaked out. And the room gets really cold. And my and it feels like my skin starts to burn a bit, like that cold burn that you can get sometimes. And just in a very low and deep voice, this thing says, to me he's like no matter what you do in life you will always fall short and in the end you are you are cursed to be damned and then it just starts muttering it's almost as if in a different language because at that point i couldn't understand and at this point i'm trying to scream i'm trying to get my parents attention like anything i can do to get out of that situation but i can't and my my head is just fixated because i was lying on my back in my bed at this point because of that weight, like I couldn't move. And so I'm just looking at this wide eyed in terror and it's just talking and in the muttering is getting so loud to the point where it's drowning out my own thoughts, but it's incoherent. And that goes on for about 10 minutes and then it's gone. And then my room, or at least my vision goes back to black. And now I'm just sweating and I just let out a shout and my parents run in. They're like, what's wrong? I told them, and my dad thought I was totally bullshitting, which was kind of ironic in hindsight. But that's all that came from that. And luckily, that thing's never visited me again. But I think the reason why he said that, or at least why I say I, I'm marked, is because the main reason for my parents getting married in the first place was because of me. Because they both heard a voice when they were younger saying that you will have a son named Asher. And when my dad brought that up to my mom while they were dating, um, she freaked until a couple of days later, she went back and told him why she did and said the same thing. And I feel like since that moment on, I've just been damned to experience this stuff. <laughs> hmm. But well, uh, going back, yeah, I, I just want to say uh, before we go back to the story, um, I'm glad I asked you about the Baphomet experience. I think you would have just glossed over that. There is more <laughs> detail there. But I just, this past yeah. <laughs> week, as the time of this recording that we're doing, I just released a, an episode with a guy named James who had the absolute most wild story we've ever had on the show, and it happened in Joshua Tree in the desert. Uh, I, I'm talking about like some serious occult. I don't even know if it was a cult. I'm talking about some I wild mean, stuff. Out there, that's a very high possibility. Because there is still some like indigenous Navajo people out there that do a lot of weird stuff. It's kind of like the the stories you hear in New Mexico. Um, I forget what they're called, but they're the buildings that kind of look like, I guess, concrete teepees. And in the 70s and 80s, for a long time, they were used for a lot of occult activities and 
the sites of paranormal experiences and a lot of drug overdoses as well with like hookers and strippers and that kind of thing. So a lot of that similar atmosphere and stuff goes on in Joshua Tree, but it's not really in the national park as it's more so in like the cities around it. But there's still a few people that you'll find out in the desert that don't look like they should be there. And you kind of just turn around and walk away. Yeah. So uh, his experience was he was he was taken there by a guy who, that he met at a, like a bar. And there was this big, oh, there, there was a big party going on out there for a few days. Uh, DJs were there. And like, like he saw like some wild stuff, what portals opening up, like some wild stuff happening. Wow. Uh, I'll send you the link. You should definitely listen to it. But, uh, yeah, it's just Joshua tree is so, so much on my mind this week that when you said Joshua tree is like, what are the freaking (laughs) odds that I put out this show this week? And then you're talking to me from Joshua tree. So, uh, carry on. You can (laughs) go back to the story that we're here for. All right. Awesome. So anyway, everyone gets there. Cody, Corey, they show up and then I'm with Forrest and truly we're having fun. He's coming down the axis. At this point, most of us have always lived outside our entire lives. Like we spent the majority either hunting or fishing or just camping. So we're really in tune to the natural way of nature, I guess, in any area. Well, I start, the hairs on the back of my neck start to stand up a bit. And for me, that's when I know I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm being watched. And the reason why this made me uneasy is because a week ago I went out with not Corey, but our buddy Fry, he was in a different unit, but he's also a Norse pagan. He had some, uh, recurve bow and a compound bow that he wanted to try out. So we went out there to that place to go shoot them for a bit. Cause we had the day off and one of the arrows ricocheted off one of the trees that we're using for target practice. And I mean, they were blunt little training arrowheads, so they weren't going to do much anyway. But it ricochets off. And to the right side of the second photo, where you can kind of see the path and then where that fire is burning at, well, to the right, it goes for about 25 meters or so. And then it's just a steep incline, like a ridge going up. Well, on top of that, there's a bunch of, it looks like a beaver den in a way, just because of the way it's laid out. But these, these branches are thick, like probably half a foot in diameter. And I was up there climbing to grab one of the arrows, trying looking for it. And then I just hear this huge beast just snapping them, running away. But I never saw it and never heard it um, earlier that day. Like we heard rustling around, but it was never that big. And this thing was snapping them like you do a twig. And so at this point, I'm just kind of hanging on one of the trees I climbed up, just kind of waiting and trying to look for the thing. Cause I'm like, what the fuck? Cause I got the same feeling I did that night when that thing was running away. And so at this point at that night, when I started getting my hairs on the back of my head, stand up, I'm like, Oh shit. Is this whatever ran away from me last week? And so I kind of keep it to myself for a bit. Cause everyone's having a good time and I don't really want to budge. However, I sit, um, facing, not facing that way, my back facing there, but at least so I can keep an eye on it in a natural sense, I guess. Um, for, so we continue to talk for about 30 or so minutes. That's when I noticed Cody is a bit uneasy. He's kind of looking around weird and he's kind of shifting his weight a lot. And I was like, you feel it too? He's like, yeah. And then our buddy truly goes, so I'm not going crazy. 
That's never a good sign. This was a preview of today's member episode. If you want to hear the whole thing, head on over to the confessionalspodcast.com, hit the join button and become a member today.